Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. My name's Chris. His name's Craig. Uh, by the way, if anybody out there wants to give me a contract to do anything, let's be honest, <laughs> murder for hire, I don't care, all right? Uh, I will take deferred payments as long as I get the money in the end. Deferred payments is the new way to do things. Ben Charrington, it's time for you to go into Bob Nutting's office, knock on the door, walk out in and be like, Bob, Bob, we can get anybody we want to. How are we going to do that? We're just going to give them monster contracts in which they don't get the money until after you sell the team. Get ready for your on-paper Pittsburgh Pirates $300 million payroll that only cost Bob Nutting about $40 million a year for the next 10 years. Do it, Ben. Do it. It's the goofiest thing, Chris. And I, I did see in the beginning they were talking about, like it was like the majority of it is going to be deferred payments. And I'm like, majority i'm like and i was thinking majority i was majority. like i was like thinking, 68 million out of every 70 million dollars given out every year it's two million a year for 10 years for otani and then the next 10 years it's 68 million dollars a year like i know that payroll's going to go up in the next 10 years so that's going to absorb it a little bit right like 68 million dollars 10 years from now as crazy as it sounds folks 68 million dollars will probably be a little bit easier for a team to swallow than it is right now. It's still going to be a big chunk of change, but it is the craziest contract I've ever seen. And I've seen the rule in the MLB rulebook, and they actually have it written in there. You can defer as much money as you want to without any limit whatsoever in these contracts. I bet you that changes very soon. Yeah, and I think that when they were saying, like, I, I did see the rule as well, Chris, and it was saying, like, limitless, People were probably thinking, oh, they're going to take like, I don't know, half of it and move it on. <laughs> I mean, they weren't anywhere thinking that this was going to be a possibility because you could even see some of the the national media people who have flipped and flopped this like entire past week on how they feel about everything. You know, from Ken Rosenthal whining at the uh, the winter meetings to to praising the the now David and Goliath uh situations that are going to exist because of the Dodgers and, and and praising the Dodgers and Otani. I mean, it's just weird that they're just kind of trying to think about how to explain this and how it's a good thing. And they're, they have to be thinking, this is absolutely ludicrous. This is crazy. I also think that the, the most interesting aspect of the Otani thing that happened last week was 
the way that Otani's agent burned so many bridges but didn't care because the amount of money that he got for his client is enough that he never has to worry again about money, even the agent, right? The, the, the representation, the, the team that's around Otani floats out there to J.P. Morosi, John Morosi, MLB Network. They basically tell him, like, hey, uh, he's going to Toronto, right? They get him to go and tweet that thing. There's a, there's a plane that sits on a tarmac and flies out to Toronto. I'm completely convinced this is all orchestrated. Like, that was part of it, right? Like, he probably hired the plane or got somebody to go fly the plane there who was in on the whole thing. Like, that, that was orchestrated. Uh, Yusuke Kikuchi rents out the most expensive sushi restaurant in Toronto for the night. Don't tell me that this wasn't all planned. <laughs> and then what do the Dodgers do? They panic, have a meeting on Friday night, that night, worried they've lost Otani and offer this ridiculous deal and he immediately signs. And it goes back to the idea that, one, if you don't care about the bridges burned, because I, right now I don't think any baseball reporter would ever trust anything that came out of that group again, but it doesn't really matter. He signed for 10 years and $70 million a year. So uh, it, you, you don't need those people anymore to do what you did. And he got his guy, those pulling the strings, got their guy exactly where he wanted to be. I'm always... I'm always taken aback with when free agency begins, how the reporters and those that cover it and the prognosticators will twist everything around to all of a sudden there's 10 or 12 possibilities. When if you just remember what the player or the player's agent has said leading up to free agency, it's sometimes so clear where they're going to end up. I use the example of Zach Wheeler. His fiance wanted to live in Philly. He turned down more money to be in Philly. I use the example of Manny Machado a few years ago. He, he comes in the free agency and in October, beginning that free agency, 10 years, 300 million. He was just being said as loud as possible by his camp. He sat around and let every team in the world offer him every deal possible. The first team that gave 10 years and 300 million guaranteed, he signed right then and there. It was already there. The idea that anybody thought it wasn't going to end up the way that they had stated it was going to end up is shocking to me. And Otani wanted to be on the West Coast. I mean, he went to the Angels originally because he wanted to be in that market. Why would he have changed his mind and gone to Toronto? Why would he have changed his mind and gone to the Cubs, which was one of the other ones I saw, or some of these other teams that were like, oh, we're in on Otani too. No, you're not. Have you ever flown across the Pacific Ocean? It sucks. I've done it before. It takes forever. You don't add hours onto that. The man has a beautiful home out in Hawaii. It's four hours from LAX to get there. It's, it could be nine from Toronto. Why would you do that? What's the point of having all the money if you never get to go to the house you built in Hawaii? So to me, it seemed really obvious he was going to get to LA, and they did a really good job of making people think, that well, he could go anywhere so they could get that kind of a deal signed. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's business. And we all knew, I mean, I had like maybe the Dodgers or, or the Yankees in there. I, I did a Toronto thing. I, I never really saw. I mean, they do have some money. The Cubs are going to be spending money. And I feel like some teams just kind of, you know, want to be mentioned to a degree, like in those types of stories to have, you know, their, their name involved in that. But yeah, like, like we said, Chris, the biggest thing for me was, this whole time, as as this whole thing is like unfurling, I, I'm I was doing a lot of driving this past weekend, so I'm listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, reading up on a lot of stuff while while the wife is driving and different stuff. And I was like, about a week ago, people were 
going after, you know, Ken Rosenthal and Morosi and Bob Knight, whoever it may be, and saying, you know, leave Otani alone. He wants this to be secret. He wants this to be whatever. And the only team that actually spoke this into the world was the Dodgers. Yeah. And he signed with the Dodgers. So basically, like, it's like, who do you want your bad guy to be? Well, it's not going to be Otani. And I'm not even asking for it to be Otani. Otani is one of the best baseball players pretty much to ever play the game. I mean, and and he does something and hopefully continues to do something. We don't know. If he keeps doing what he's doing for the next 10 years, he'll be greater than Babe Ruth. Yeah. I've always said Babe Ruth is the greatest because Babe Ruth was a superstar pitcher for 10 years before he went out and hit home runs when nobody hit home runs. Yeah. In his era, okay, comparatively, I always find it funny when somebody says anybody else is a greater baseball player, like Barry Bonds, a great baseball player. Well, yeah, he was on horse steroids at the end. (laughs) His head was three sizes too big, like the Grinch's heart at the end when the Who's all hugged him. But uh, he still couldn't pitch. He couldn't go out there at a high level and do it. Shohei Otani is the modern-day Babe Ruth, and deep down in the end, if he does it consistently for a long enough amount of time, you could sit there and say Shohei Otani is the greatest baseball player to ever live. You may be watching a player right now in Shohei Otani that 150 years from now, baseball fans will sit there and say, who is the greatest ever? And some guy's going to sit there and say, I don't know how you pick anybody except Shohei Otani and pulls up all of his stats. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out, and he will do the majority of it now. If he does become that, it will be for the Los Angeles Dodgers. God, does it suck to be an Angels fan right now? Think about that. You had Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. You got nothing accomplished with it. And then Shohei goes right across town and just plays as Chavez Ravine for the next 10 years. Oh, to be an Angels fan, I would quit watching that team and start watching a completely different sport. That's got to be brutal for them right now. Dude, did you see like how quickly they took down his marquee? Like, I'm surprised they, they didn't light it on fire. Like, I know, but, but it, was like, it, was like, it was like it was like it was like announced, and like within oh. the hour, it is like gone. And I'm like, I, I mean, I'm really, I'm surprised that they didn't fire gasoline up there with a hose <laughs> and light it on fire. I mean, what a slap in the face that is! It's crazy. On the other hand, Ben Ben Charrington, I mean, what the heck, man? Why couldn't you have given him three million dollars a year and deferred sixty-seven million dollars? Over the next 10, you could have beaten the Dodgers offer and he could be a Pittsburgh Pirate today. I know that's well, ridiculous. Cra- I'm just joking. Here's, the crazy part is, Chris, is that <laughs> at that point in time, MLB would step in. There's certain teams. Hey, they'd be like, we all know this. <laughs> we all know they that there's right. certain teams that they would step in on. They'd be like, we can't let the Pirates do this. If we let the Dodgers no. do this, it'd be like, it's okay. But if the Pirates do this, oh, no, there's no way. Like, Because they're not going to pay. Major it. League Baseball <laughs> wanted the Dodgers to get Shohei Otani. Major League Baseball is totally okay with the way that contract went down. And, and, and for those that are worried that they're all going to be like this, uh, Bryce Harper was offered several deals, if I'm not mistaken, and he's talked about it publicly with these big, giant deferred money things, and he turned down the deferred money thing. Because in the end, it's not worth as much money. If Shohei gets the whole 70 and can invest it, he would have a lot more money later on down the line. Like, he's going to get a ton of endorsement deals in L.A., so in the end, it may make sense for him to take that kind of deal in Los Angeles. Right. Because like, what people don't understand is on the other side of the Pacific, they don't know a lot of sports teams. Like I always give you the example of when I went to Sydney, Australia, I actually went all up and down the coast five, six years ago. And they only had about four or five baseball teams that you ever saw their hats that you ever saw in stores 
That was it. They don't, they don't know about the majority of them. In fact, they really don't even watch the game, right? But there are certain stars that are marketable. He's so marketable and even more so being on the West Coast, even though he's making $2 million a year, he will make so much more in his endorsements. And then he'll get that other stuff on the back end. I don't want to talk about him the whole show. This is Bucks in the Basement. We're, we're 12 minutes in here. Well, let's, let's, get to, let's get to the exciting moves that the, the Pirates are making. Marco Gonzalez is a Pittsburgh Pirate. How much are we paying this guy this year? Um, we are paying him a total of uh, $3 million. And Great move. That, and that is due to the fact that he has a, a trade assignment that is like for, I think it's like 250000 know, or whatever it is. Or it would have only been, you know, 2.75 million. The Braves are, I, I guess they're becoming like professional, like money launderers or something. I don't know what they're doing at this point in time. <laughs> it's like watching an it's episode like, of hey, Pawn Stars. Yeah, it's like, hey, we'll take your contract, but we'll give it to this contract and we'll pay, you know, a part of that. But we don't even really want this guy. It's for the Pirates. They've moved so many guys. Like, they have moved so many guys over the last couple of days. They moved, they moved uh, Max Stasi uh, or Stasi. Yeah. They moved they him moved through Evan their system. Moved Evan, White, Evan White got moved through their system. They, they're, they're acquiring players and then just moving them, and they're absorbing all this. I don't know what's going on with this. There's something weird happening with the way that money is going through Atlanta right now. But uh, the Pirates get a good pitcher, $15 million option next year. I don't think that you're picking that up. Although, I mean, if he, if he all of a sudden becomes a superstar, he's had one or two really good years, you could make the argument but I just don't think this team's ever going to invest $15 million in a pitcher. So it is weird to me that it's just a one-year deal, but you have so many holes in your rotation. You, you got to start filling them. This opportunity comes along to get a Marco Gonzalez for a year at $3 million. You take that. That's a bargain. Yeah, and I mean, you're basically paying him, this is like the Vince Velasquez contract, with a potential option, which, I mean, Pirates fans don't want to hear this, but they could make it a a little bit sweeter of a deal if they are going to trade him and they, or if they end up trading him, you know, at the trade deadline, because a lot of times it's that rental player, but you know, some of these teams that you're trading with, if you tell them the guy's got a $15 million option, they might be like, Hey, look what the market is like this year. Uh, you know, you've, you've got, you know, Kenta Maeda making $12 million, Kyle Gibson making $12 million. And if Marco Gonzalez comes back from his injury and you're thinking you could have him for another year for $15 million, I mean, that could kind of sweeten the pot. I don't, I don't want, I, I let's let, you know, future Craig and future Chris worry about the option piece of it right now. I'm, I mean, I'm, people are focusing a lot more on um, the type of injury he had. It, it's, it's the anterior Interocerosis nerve. It's a nerve in the forearm. There's been about two other players uh, that have had this procedure um, within the last 10 years. Um, one guy had it in, it's uh, Brendan Morrow. Uh, people remember he, I think he was a, a reliever or something for the Cubs at some point in time. So people are, are Pirates fans that you might recognize him. The other guy was, you know, a guy for the Giants. They both have come back and Neither one of them were, you know, to the level of Marco Gonzalez. And they kind of became, especially Brennan Morrow, like a, a pretty legitimate, good to decent reliever. Um, but it's not like everybody thinks it's like, well, you know, since not everybody's had this or since he's had this, he's not going to be able to come back and work out. 
I couldn't see him like, you know, getting traded and then getting traded again and not having all of those medicals out there that there would at least be some, you know, reassurance or some confidence that he's at least going to be able to pitch. I can't guarantee that because as a lot of people know, we signed Harley and Garcia last year. He got a nerve injury, couldn't pick up a ball for the rest of the year. And we paid him for the entire year. Obviously didn't pick up his option, but $3 million, like at the price, you take a chance. Yeah. The you price of the market we- is right now, like $3 million for a guy who at a guy his, who, at a guy worst, who's a, as four he, or five back in the end. Right. Of the if he can pitch, I was just going to say that if he can pitch, he's a four. Okay, if he if he can if he just goes out there and he pitches and he's able to just and and the injury is something he's recovered from he's a four he, with the potential, okay, at times in his life to be a guy who's as high as a two, in your rotation, okay. But let's say realistically he's a four. I mean, right now, the Pirates have a two, a four, and three fives in their rotation. They don't really have an ace. The but with the way that they're going to spend money, they they are never going to have an ace unless it's homegrown. Like they need Keller to become a one from where he probably is right now, which is a two, okay, on most teams. In fact, some, some, some rotations would have him as a three. All right, let's, let's be realistic when we're comparing him to, to, other, to other rotations where he would actually sit, all right? He has the potential to eventually be a one, but that's what you have right now. And then you got a four and you got a bunch of five. So there's still a lot of work that has to be done, but you have a legitimate pitcher in your rotation now on Marco Gonzalez as long as he can go out there and he can take the bump every five days. If that happens at $3 million, it's a great deal. Yeah. And like I said, it it just can't end here. And I think that's what we all kind of agree on when you're saying that there's, there are some question marks surrounding this. So it's not like that slam dunk guarantee. And I think that that's kind of what pirates fans are looking for at this point in time. And I, and I kind of don't blame them that you want, you know, (laughs) a guy that doesn't have even a little bit of an inkling, but as you see with like a Johan Oviedo towards the end of the year, I mean, Johan Oviedo is, is, is shoving uh, in his last few starts. I mean, he did wear down a little bit in the, in the final one or whatever, but there was no thing that, you know, he's going to need, you know, Tommy John surgery at any point in time. So, I mean, pitchers arms are just so freaking weird. So you, you don't know that, but yeah, I, I kind of get that, but yeah, $3 million, you jump on this, that the return for the Pirates is either cash considerations or a player to be named later. I had mentioned this, Chris, on the, on the minor league news and brews that came out on Saturday, just when I was like talking through my own thoughts is a lot of people were mentioning that, you know, the Pirates didn't select anybody in the Rule 5 draft. And I'm just reiterating this to, to anybody that didn't hear that uh, from me is that, you know, it was out there that it was likely that the Pirates were going to trade that person to uh to the Braves to complete that trade and I'm like well that's not really likely at all to me and and in my mind whatsoever you can you know I would like to hear a rebuttal from somebody just because nobody's really rebutted that because when I say okay you're gonna draft somebody for the Braves who then the Braves are gonna have to keep on their 26-man roster for the whole season when you look outside of the bubble that is Pittsburgh, the, the Braves have traded away two potential starters already um, in Mike Soroka and, and Schuster to to the White Sox. If they can't find a spot in their 26 man for them, they're going to find a spot for a guy Agreed. from the Rule 5 draft. Like yeah. that to me, like is, I, I, and this came out of people that were at the winter meetings. And I feel like that, you know, when you get yourself absorbed into that type of situation, everything revolves around what's going on there. 
if you take a step back and look at it, there would be no reason for the Braves to want us to pick anybody in the Rule 5 draft for them. They don't want people from the Rule 5 draft. They're not at the point in their you know organization or where they're at building a team. If they can't find spots for these guys, they're not going to find a spot for, uh, you know, <laughs> they have a they team. have a very good team and they have a higher level of talent and players that make the forty man roster don't make the Braves forty man roster like players on the on the Pirates that would make the Pirates forty man roster they don't have room for they're at a higher level and players on the on the Pirates twenty six man roster at the start of the year some of them would not make the Braves twenty six man roster and it's just they're they're at a higher level in their development, where they're at as a franchise, where they're at with the talent that they have on their roster, they, they're a goal to get to their level. You're not, you're not at that yet. So I think when you, when you look at the Braves, if you look at them through the prism, like all these teams are equal, you can be very confused. You have to look at what they actually are. you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. Now to get to where we need to be, we need to add more players. Okay, what what is this? What are we looking at here at first base? Um, basically, it came out a report from Cleveland.com, uh, an actual you know reputable source. Uh, like I said, I was doing a lot of driving, so I also listened to the Baseball Insiders with Robert Murray, who's a guy that's you know pretty tuned into everything. Um, and he even mentioned that this was you know something that probably took place. There wasn't a, a whole lot of legs to it, because I mean, I, what you have to understand is is there's a difference between you know a, a GM like Ben Charrington going to a team and saying, "Hey, what's the uh, what's the availability on?" Uh, would you guys be interested in trading? Would you be up for trading Josh Naylor? Or is that something you would even consider? Just because they're looking at a guy who has not only this year in arbitration, you know, estimated to be around like seven point, you know, two million dollars, also has another year of arbitration left, and and is a fairly good young player, only twenty six years old. Uh, he hit over three oh eight last year. I think he had like something like seventeen, eighteen home runs. Why wouldn't you check on a guy like that? But the the other side is this, is that, you know, Robert Murray had said, like it, it's the difference is they're not shopping him. Like a lot of people jumped to the conclusion and, and wrote some stuff that I saw out there from, you know, Pirates fans and other Pirates bloggers and, and different stuff that basically said, you know, trade on the table. And I'm like, there's no, there's nothing on the table. Ben Sherrington yeah. did something smart. He's doing his due diligence to try to fill these holes 
in different ways. We've seen like an estimate for Carlos Santana coming back. Um, Jason Mackey had written, he'd seen somewhere around like $7.5 million as an estimate for Carlos Santana. I, I wouldn't mind that. Carlos Santana did good for us last year, but if you could, as Ben Sherrington, go out and get a younger player who has some control, why wouldn't you look into that? I, I could see them making calls to a decent amount of teams uh, concerning that this just happened to be something you know that was reported. Well, that's the thing. A good general manager in the position that Ben Charrington is currently in, and there's two things that you have to remember about the position that he's in. He's in the position, one, where he has a cheap owner, and so he has to work within those constraints, and he wants to improve his team. And two, he's got an awful lot of capital when it comes to prospects and players that other teams may need. So it's very similar, like, you know, just to put it on just a different level. Very similar to how I'm running my Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League right now. You just saw me pull off a trade in the league that we're in, right? I, I, I looked at my team and I said, I looked at my team. I honestly looked at my team and I said, it's a 10-team league, Dynasty League. You get to keep everybody you want to that's on your 40-man roster and only four guys that are 30 years old or older every year. So that's how older guys get shaken loose and you see trades and People are trying to move veterans and whatever. Don't want to bore you with this. But the idea is I looked at my team and I said, Jonathan India is not good enough at second base for my team. I need to find something better than Jonathan India going into the year on my fantasy team. And then I looked at all these other teams that are out there. And teams that that I, I specifically went and looked at, where are the top five or top six or seven second basemen in that league? Now, what teams that have those players need something that I have? I'm deep at these, this position. I'm deep at this position. I'm deep at this position. Now it's time to knock on the door and say, hey, I want this guy. This is what I can offer. Here's an initial offer. Let's start talking, right? And I got turned down right away. The guy that had Mookie Betts, who's going to be a second baseman this year, laughed at me. And he should because Mookie Betts is going to be like the best second baseman in fantasy <laughs> baseball by far. You're moving Mookie Betts to second base like the Dodgers are doing. It's insane. But I mean, like, I, I knocked on a few doors. And in the end, I got rejected by two teams. I had one team that kept going back and forth, and their price tag was too high. And then all of a sudden, the guy that had Jose Altuve sent me back a counteroffer, and I said, yep, and I made the move. And, and, and I know that simplifies it because they're not playing fantasy baseball, right? There's a lot more involved. There's contracts involved. There's money involved. They're, they're, you know, there's, there's more of a factor when it comes into how you're going to make the pieces fit and where teams are and their long-term plans and their short-term plans. But the basics are, you know you need a first baseman. Ben Charrington can see it. I can see it. Anybody that looks at a depth chart can see. They need a first baseman. And it'd be better to go in a direction where you can find a guy who you're going to have for a couple of years who's younger, who you may decide that you want to extend later on, and you want to give a bigger contract if it works out, than to go and continuously get these one-year old first basemen that are hanging on and have them keep coming in on these one-year deals. So, of course, he's going to go knock on those doors. He's got to find somebody, though, that says, yeah, you're right. You do have something we need. Yeah, you're right. We, we are looking for prospects there because our window isn't open yet. Or we just don't. We, we have somebody else that's right behind him that we think gives us a lot of, a lot of ability. You know, you look, at, you look at some of the trades right now, these big starting pitchers that are out there, some of the teams that are floating guys like, you know, Tyler Glass now or Dylan Cease or something like that, th those teams, some of them are asking for, players that are at triple-A level or got their cup of coffee last year in the majors because they want to make a quick flip. And some of them are asking for long-term high-end prospects because they're three years away. So Ben Charrington has to say, all right, what are you looking for? Where are you at? 
Now I look at my pool of players. Do I have a match? Here's what I have. And then those discussions go back and forth, and you're hoping that they may not even have thought about dealing that guy, and you're able to give them an offer they can't refuse. That's how you make trades. Yeah, and and that's like the the state of, of baseball right now. And like you said, if if you're banking on Carlos Santana having a you know another year like he had last year, I mean the the odds would say that's not in your favor. A, a guy that's aging, and I'm not saying he won't have that, but the, the odds of him he doing won't. that is it, it's greatly decreased. He had the best year he's had since 2019. No, like, he'll be and, down next year. He'll be down next year. He's going to come crashing back to earth. I wouldn't want him. Yeah, I think it's a step back. I'm sorry. I think it's a step back. He is like he is like the if we can't find anything else option that Ben Charrington would then do that and like cross his fingers and hopes that hope it works out. I would much rather them, much rather them sit there and say, okay. here's the problem. They don't have what the Orioles want. Right. But if you look at Heston Kerstad, who's sitting there like that's the kind of player that I'd be trying to target if I were Ben Charrington. Yeah. Here's a guy. They've got a lot of outfield prospects in Baltimore, let's say. Right. Kerstad plays uh, corner outfield and first base. People think eventually he ends up a first baseman. He's not even the best outfield prospect that they have, and they're inundated with prospects. If you had a package that the Orioles felt like it benefited them in either the long term because they're trying to spread out arrival dates for prospects, and they work under an owner as well that is going to be cheap, right, that would rather deal in prospects and capital instead of dealing in money. So that may work out. If you had something they needed, you'd want to target that guy. Because even though he's unproven, he's better than any other option you have at first base. He has control. And that's where I would say, I'd rather go and make a deal like that than go get a guy like Carlos Santana. At this point where the Pirates are, I'd rather go do something like that. The problem then becomes, though, do you have what the Orioles want? And, and do your scouts feel that this guy who's a really high-end prospect is going to work out in that position and is it worth what they're asking to give up but at some point you're gonna have to break some eggs to make an omelet because you can't just go out and buy players with Bob Nutting as your owner so teams like the Orioles who have the same kind of deal going on with them that's where you go and you knock on the door and say hey we're poor you're poor both of our owners suck we have this you have that you want to make a deal like if I'm Ben Charrington I'm making those phone calls for sure yeah, and, and he should, and he should be looking at all of this type of stuff. And, I mean, Ben Sherrington, is, I think we talked about last week, has come out and said he, he's trying every avenue. He, they're looking at every single pitcher. They're probably talking to – I mean, they talk to these GMs all the time. I, I Like we said, we, we always refer to Moneyball, and it, but it is, like, not maybe exactly what happens, but it's a guy where, you know, Brad Pitt walks in there, you know, Billy Bean, and it's like, okay, I, I want this guy. No, nah, we're not going to give you that guy. He's like, well, we can come back to that. What about this? It's, do you know what I mean? You're trying to feel off the other owners. You're trying to feel off what their needs are. What in a movie, it's up. quick. Yeah. Right. In a movie, it's quick. In a movie, yeah. it's quick because they're trying to do quick dialogue. It probably takes, it's, it's more nuanced. It's longer discussions. It's back and forth kind of proposals. It's probably something more along those lines. But I mean, look, I, with my fantasy baseball dynasty team, I have a spreadsheet with my entire group <laughs> lined up. I know all of their current ages as of March 1st of every year, so I know how many more years of control I have of them. I have a depth chart where I'm looking at prospects saying, well, when this guy ages out, will this guy be ready by then? And when somebody approaches me with a trade, I pull up my little chart and I go, what's the value of that player and can I give him up? 
if I'm doing that, it's something that I make no money at whatsoever. It just takes <laughs> up time and productivity from me and probably cost me money to play, to waste my time on it when I should be playing with my children. I would think Ben Charrington has a much more intricate system. And when somebody calls him up, he's like, you need a what? We got this guy right here. You don't like him? Well, I could give you this guy instead. He's probably can bring it up right away. And I'm sure all these GMs can bring it up right away. Okay. So I, I think it's a little different than the movie, but I also think that they all know where the, va- where the value is and who the guy, I mean, I have four or five guys down marked down right now that when we get to our winter meetings that I know have value, but I'm willing to move. I, I have yeah. them color coded so that when somebody says, well, I'm looking for a prospect, I can give you this guy and this guy. Like I, I know exactly what I'll move and what I'm afraid to move. Okay. And if I'm doing that, in my thing that I'm doing for fun that's stupid. <laughs> God, I hope the general manager of the Pirates is doing that. Right? I hope so, Chris. He has to. I hope so. Otherwise, call me, Ben. I will come in and make you a spreadsheet. It's on Excel. It's real simple. I'll teach you how to do it. All right? If you don't have Excel, <laughs> we'll get it downloaded for you. <laughs> now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say.